0: From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT shop has it all. Browse our shop now at TNTradio.live. Informative and engaging. Rick Munn. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Yes, sir! That's my favorite sweeper. That was my very first sweeper, and you didn't get to see it, but when they go... I make a fist and shake it at the camera like that, probably send our vision people into a tailspin. But hell, what am I going to do? I have to respond when I hear the beat, when I hear the metal, when I hear the distorted guitars. Yossa! Locked and loaded, TNT, today's news talk. I'm Rick Munn, Gemma Cooper, of course, will be joining me this hour, along with... Catherine McBean for the first time as she set up the PFFA which is the People's Food and Farming Alliance. Really looking forward to talking to her actually just about general war that's going on against farmers at the minute but also how do you start? becoming more self-sufficient. A lot of people think about it. A lot of people would like to do it. Maybe we'll get some pointers and tips this morning from Catherine about how to actually get the ball rolling when it comes to self-sustainability, irrespective of whether you have a plot in your garden or an allotment, you've got a field outside, who knows? Uh, Maybe we'll get some pointers from her and of course, Nick Corbishley will be joining me again. Nick is an absolute diamond. He's a legend. He's based over in Spain at the minute. He's an author of the book Scanned, and he writes extensively on his website, nickcorpishly.com. We're going to be looking at some of the wider geopolitical issues with him as well before the top of the hour. So if you haven't already done so, take the time, log on to our website, tntradio.live. Make yourself an account for our live chat. It's positively buzzing at the minute very very difficult to keep up with all the messages but rest assured they are all appreciated and of course you can check out what's happening we have a schedule on there uh, the diary or the calendars laid out for the week and the weekend shows as well pretty much non-stop here at TNT, always getting new people on board, always rejigging the programming, making it a little bit better for you, uh, the listener or the viewer now, because obviously we're on live streaming as well. Video, you can check out uh, YouTube or Odyssey, all the major platforms we stream live their video. And on the main page of our website, if you scroll a little about halfway down before the chat button, you'll see uh, an embedded YouTube live stream on there. Watches, listen to us. It's your choice. Uh, you can manage that however you like. Uh, just before Gemma hops on here, uh, Roderick, uh, sorry, Stephen Donnelly, another nemesis of the Irish people, said a full medical card is being provided by the HSE, the Irish Health Agency, for both Ukrainian and international protection applicants. Stephen Donnelly. Uh, confirmed yesterday. Now, uh, this was responded to by a commentator on uh, Twitter, Now Boylan, said, what is going on in this country? I've had people born, raised and paid taxes in Ireland on radio and podcasts who have cancer and they can't afford medication or GP visits and fighting for a medical card to no avail. Nobody should be denied unaffordable vital medical care. But what I can see why people are getting really angry with what is becoming more and more a two-tier system. So imagine uh, that as a slap in the face. You've worked in Ireland, you've lived in Ireland all your life, you're an Irish citizen, you can't afford certain medications or certain visits to the doctor. And then you see people wafting into the country under the International Protection Scheme, so-called International Protection Scheme, Replacement Scheme, I would call it, being given free, loaded up, Healthcare documentation just help yourselves there folks you crack on while we step over the backs of uh, people that have been living and paying their taxes in ireland all their lives actually contributing something to irish society rather than coming over and sucking money out of the system like uh, economic leeches and yes not everybody's like that don't get me wrong but there's thousands and thousands of people that are and they're being allowed to continue to suck ireland dry if you're going to come over Contribute, pay your taxes, get a job, be self-sufficient or do something or at least be on a community service volunteer scheme. Don't be idle all day standing around in parks, drinking, doing drugs, doing God knows what, stalking people, committing violent acts unchecked. And yes, that has been happening and happening more frequently. I'm sad to say in Ireland, so Ireland needs to get uh, their, their, their handle on things pretty smart because if things keep going at the rate they're going, I shudder what it'll be like especially for the republic at the minute uh, they're in a very very bad way as per right now but anyway enough of me rattling on about ireland take a brief pause jem is coming on here with another uh, breaking news story so stay tuned for more here on tnt today's news talk
0: it's the stuff it's that division people are talking about and that cluelessness that they want to push today's news talk radio tnt
1: Gemma, I don't know if you're a fighter, okay? Uh, You don't strike me as a violent person, but if you've ever been in a fight, there's only one thing worse than getting knocked to the ground, And that's when someone starts to stick the boot in when you're on the ground, all right? And uh, yes, I have been on the receiving and the giving end of such treatment in my past, so I know what it feels like. It seems to be the people of Ireland are not just being knocked down at the minute, but they're getting the boot stuck into them when you read about stories like this or about that first story that we talked about in the last hour, somebody that's committed eight sexual offences over 10 years and yet is allowed to remain in the country. Is that not like kicking people when they're down, rubbing salt in the wounds?
2: It certainly does feel like it, and listening to both your editorials about what is happening in, in Ireland in the Republic and the Republican in the North of Ireland, it is, I, I wonder if it's only a matter of time before we see extensions uh, of what happened in Dublin last year with the with the stabbing attack on the teacher and the little children. Uh, people took to the streets. Um, it was clamped down on, but that clearly shows the tinderbox of feelings that surrounds these issues in Ireland. Um, and I wonder how long it will be before there's another incident that sparks another outpouring onto onto the streets uh, because that's the only outlet people have got to express themselves now because they're clearly not being listened to
1: no and that's it and you know nobody wants this nobody nobody wants to be on the streets nobody wants to be taking this type of action but it's the only thing that's left because more and more now gemma community groups are just almost screaming in desperation to their local representatives why are you not listening to us? Why do you not answer our questions? Why can you not give us an explanation, just an explanation as to why what's happening is happening? And when they met with a wall of silence, then they get frustrated. And when you get frustrated and suspicious, mix frustration and suspicion together and give it enough time, and it bubbles into uh, acts of uh, rioting on the streets and people understandably venting their frustrations, not wanting to, but what else are they going to do?
2: It does rather beg the question as well, politicians and locally elected representatives um, maintain a wall of silence because they know it will generate a reaction like that. I mean, these people are kind of schooled in behavioral psychology as well. When you get into positions of power, we know that from the, the UK government's nudge unit and psychology that was implemented over the COVID years to, to, to steer behavior. How do we know that they, that they, they say to themselves, like, right, stay silent, wind the public up, the public will take to the streets, then we can impose more police State style laws, convictions, uh, you know, a Stasi type state to stop the unruly rising up. You don't know that it's not all, I don't want to say engineered and go down a rabbit hole with that, but deliberate I think would be a word I would use. Just uh, again, like we were talking about at the top of the last hour to stoke dissent, to stoke confrontation and conflict. And these are not issues that are unique to Ireland. These are issues that are happening. Look at Texas. Look at Texas mm-hmm. with, the, with the razor wire and, the you know, the, the state taking matters into its own hands and saying, well, we're just going to put this border back up because we've had enough and nobody's listening. It's, it's that kind of thing. It's global. This is global. And it's definitely got the, the kind of whiff of orchestration written all over it.
1: Mm-hmm. The whiff of orchestration, that's a fantastic uh, expression. Sounds like an old death metal song title from back in the 90s, the whiff of orchestration. It actually sounds, that's a good name for a band as well. But anyway, you're inspiring me without even realising it now. Uh, let's, let's move on to uh, the story of the day. Old Baroness Mown, uh her husband, Doug Barrowman. Uh, Doug Barrowman, Michelle Moan or Monet, uh, fails to get a £5 million tax fraud case thrown out. So uh, yeah, he's going to have his day in court and uh, she's conspicuous in her absence. Uh, why do you not think she's standing by her man, uh, Dolly Partenstein? here it was saying that old country classic way why isn't she standing by her man
2: well, I think that this uh, this was a case of them hoping, actually, that this would have been thrown out. So as if the Baroness Moan and her husband weren't facing enough scandal with being investigated by the National Crime Agency here in the UK for their involvement in an alleged VIP Lane PPE deal scandal of 200 million um, and the links to the, their links to the firm PP Medro, uh, well, they owned it basically. But anyway, that's not the case we're talking about today. We've been talking about that one for a while, but today, uh, Doug Barrowman, Michelle Moan's husband, is taking the stand at a court in Spain. Uh, It's a trial that started yesterday. He and six other men uh, are accused of a tax embezzlement to the tune of five and a half million, which cost the Spanish treasury nearly 400,000. That's what they're saying. Um, Because they, they, well, we'll get to the details of the case in just a minute. It's a complicated case. It goes back 15 years. And I think right up until the 11th hour, i.e. yesterday when the court case started, he was hoping this would get thrown out his lawyers were saying, look, this was 15 years ago and under the statute of limitations, it's too late. It's too late to bring a prosecution. It's, it's too late. The law has is, is run out on this one. The prosecution's been brought too late. Let's just throw it out. Three judges in Spain yesterday said, no, we're not throwing it out. We're going to have a look at what went on. And I think the reason Michelle Moan wasn't in court yesterday was they were quietly hoping that this would this would go away. Case would be thrown out. It's too long ago. But no, he's due to give evidence today. Um, basically, the case he's facing, along with six others, goes back 15 years. Um, it, it relates to his joint ownership, along with, the, with these other men, of a Spanish cable plant Um, and he was one of the co-directors. And there were payments from that cable firm to a UK firm of around five and a half million. Barrowman was also one of the founders of the UK firm and allegedly the Spanish company paid the UK company for services those services never materialized. So the the very simple analysis of the allegations are that this 5.5 million left Spain, went into this British company, uh, there were no services provided. It was basically embezzled out of Spain and used for illicit uh, benefit once the money arrived back in a UK bank account. Now, Mr. Barrowman has said that the payments were for consultancy work. Uh, We don't know what that consultancy work is, but he was basically co-director of one firm and the founder of another, um, which does have echoes of the the other case that is being investigated by the National Crime Agency. Um we're not going to portion any kind of finger pointing at this stage, two, two separate investigations. It's not for us to judge. The Spanish courts will judge this one. He's obviously going to plead not guilty. We we assume he didn't say anything yesterday as he left court in a taxi. And I've yet to see any reports of, of him taking the stand and answering these charges. I do think they thought it would get thrown out. But it's very bad news for for Mr. Barrowman and his wife, Baroness Michelle Moan, amidst, yeah. you know, they had their assets seized last week as part of the ongoing investigation. Seventy five million pounds worth of assets. Um, But it seems that, you know, it's not just one company that he's linked with. that's very controversial. It's now another one, even if it was 15 years ago in Spain, uh, tax fraud embezzlement is still a very, very serious charge. And he faces up to uh, five, I think, five and a half years in prison for this. Mm
1: Wow, and, and actually the details of this case as well. It says Barrowman arrived in court uh, at the northern Spanish city of Santander uh, Tuesday morning, that was yesterday, with hopes of an early acquittal before he took the stand. His lawyer claimed the statute of limitations meant it was too late, but three judges ruled the case should go ahead so as you say they take this business very seriously there and obviously his position and his money and his connections in with uh, the wife and you know uh, British politics don't seem to hold much sway in Santander there so maybe uh, justice will be served and you know answer the question I said it a little bit tongue-in-cheek as well where was Michelle this morning you know she's got to be looking at Doug right now and thinking you know he's 58 He's getting on a bit. He could be doing five and a half years in a Spanish prison. Maybe it's time for me and Dougie to go our separate ways. So, yeah, she's got the money and, uh, yeah, she's got the position. Dougie will be banged up. Can you see her making the trip to Santander? (laughs) <laughs> every weekend for five and a half years to stand by our man. Uh, I'm, just, uh, I'm just thinking about this. I can't see it somehow. Michelle doesn't strike me. Baroness Moan doesn't strike me as the type. But maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. Either way, with everything else that we talk about here, time well pale. We're just speculating and uh, having a little bit of a chuckle here uh, at other people's expense. Probably shouldn't do it, but it gives me a, a little guilty kick. I'm not going to lie. So uh, let's see what happens with Dougie. And uh, Michelle, uh, going forward, uh, no doubt uh, there will be more in this as the case continues to develop. And so big thanks to you, Gemma, as always, for bringing that one to us. Uh, Gemma will be back in the next hour with the Freeman Report, so make sure you tune in for that one as well. I shall be back after this short break with Catherine McBean making her debut on Locked and Loaded. Uh, So don't go away. Stay tuned for more here on today's News
0: Talk. Sonia Paulton
2: You feel the need to describe yourself along with being a useless eater free speech isn't a phobia as a male with a penis why would you feel the need to describe yourself as such?
3: Well you never know these days do you? Anyone can have a penis apparently so I just thought you better make sure everybody knows
2: and that and that is the reality isn't it words have lost all meaning and one of the things that i wanted you to come on and come and join me about and comment about is the whole issue of gender and transgenderism are you cis jack
0: no there's no
3: such thing there was there was literally no such thing till a couple of years ago and it's it's their religion it's not
0: mine and i refuse to get involved with this sort of terminology it's ridiculous sonia paulton on today's news talk tnt sometimes life can be overwhelming and suicide may seem like the only way to relieve the pain. Beyond Now is an evidence-based app created by Beyond Blue to help you cope when suicidal thoughts start to appear. You can use it to create an easy-to-follow plan that is personal to you and includes steps like know your warning signs so you can act early, make your environment safe by removing harmful items, activities you can do or people you can be with, to distract yourself from suicidal thoughts. Reminders of things that make you feel strong. Some of these steps might be tough to fill out, and that's okay. It can be helpful to make or share your safety plan with a trusted friend, family member, or mental health professional. You might feel like you're alone, but help is available. If you're worried you can't stay safe, use the red telephone icon to call your emergency contacts. Download the free Beyond Now app today to create your personal safety plan. At the top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. It's the most important thing we can do on today's News Talk TNT Radio.
1: Yes, it's uh, Wednesday the 31st of January, 2024. This is TNT Locked and Loaded Show. I'm Rick Munn and I'm joined for the first time here on Locked and Loaded by none other than Catherine McBean. Uh, Catherine set up the PFFA. Sounds like an outlawed paramilitary organisation, but it's not. It's the People's Food on Farming Alliance. Uh, and you can check out their website at www.the-pffa.org. Find out a little bit more about what they're about. Catherine, welcome to the show. Want to talk a little about farming this morning, self-sufficiency this morning, and why, above everything else, why is there such an onslaught uh, against farmers at the minute? Why are they being demonised and vilified when they're the people that put food on our tables?
4: Um, Hi, thank you, Rick, for having me. I think um, we all probably know deep down that... uh, Humans are under attack. Civilians are under attack. And um, the food supply chain has been an issue for me personally for about 25 years. I could see where this was going as the supermarkets took more control, um, were very dominating over small producers and providers, let alone farmers. So I've had a concern about it for some time because I 25 years ago, you could see kind of where things were going and, and what they were trying to do in terms of the control element. And that's fundamentally what this is. It's a control element. Um, so for us at PFFA, we are trying to do the exact opposite, uh, very much like we did with PHA. It's about decentralisation, getting power back to farmers and producers um, and local communities taking more control. But, yeah, I, I think there is no doubt that globally they're trying to control the food supply chain, and we've got to do everything we can to stop that.
1: Then mm. you must have been watching the the protests. Uh, this really kicked off in earnest last year with the Dutch farmers. Okay, they were the first people to properly come under the crosshairs of the globalists who wanted to, you know, cut down on the fertilizer, uh, which would have reduced the crop yields, which would have impacted us all negatively less food. And if there's less food, it means more expensive price crisis, which in a cost of living uh, crisis is not a good position to be in, let alone that. They wanted to take farmland off these farmers that had maybe been passed down through generations of Dutch farmers from family to family. Uh, They didn't have it. They stood up against it. Uh, There was a political party formed off the back of that in uh, Holland. They're doing very, very well indeed. Now we're seeing uh, the so-called siege of Paris. Uh, the 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 besieging of Paris by the French farmers, uh, Macron's in a state about this, warning that you know s- stern action will be taken because a red line is being crossed. But surely the red line is being crossed when you attack someone's ability to earn a living and their ability to put food on other people's tables is not not the ultimate red line to cross.
4: It, it is it is, and I think Macron's starting to realise that he's probably bitten off more than he can chew. He's brought in armoured vehicles yesterday. Um, and so forth from the military to deal with this dissent from the farmers. Um, And in response, they went and ripped up all the tarmac on the road and started um, putting down uh, soil to start growing on the motorways, um, which sends one heck of a message. Um, France have got to hold the line here uh, because other countries are going to be watching and uh, they cannot be intimidated at this stage. It's too important. This is too important. This is the line in our sand. We are going to stand up to this and say enough is enough. What I'd like to see is engagement from British farmers. Um, I'm not suggesting they necessarily protest. That's absolutely up to them. But certainly to have that engagement where they're making their voices heard, um, which is proving quite difficult in the UK. These guys are super busy. Um, But to any farmers or producers out there, you know, get in touch with us, get in touch with the No Farmers, No Food campaign um, and, and come together, because what we want to do is get everyone unified and moving in the same direction. Um, the, the the campaign, No Farmers, No Food, is great in terms of raising awareness um, and getting word out to farmers. And what we're doing at PFFA is we're bringing the solutions. How do farmers become more independent? How do they decentralize from the current structures? How do they take back the power from the supermarkets, the processes, the logistics companies, all of those that are involved in the chains of our food supply right now. Um, And so PFFA, we've got a bundle of solutions. What we need now is farmers and producers uh, to come and have those conversations with us so we can fine tune everything and get them in place, get it moving, take out the middlemen where we need to. Um, There's lots of work to do, but it's all really achievable.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, too, it needs uh, coordination. It's not enough for you guys to be working in isolation over on the left and me working with another group over on the right and somebody working up there and somebody working over there. The power, really, in this, uh, Catherine, comes when everybody gets together as a collective uh, to to knock out the middleman, as you rightly said, I want to come back to that point. Before I do, though, uh, uh, before um, uh, we take our news break, I want to talk to you about something else. Escalation. Uh, You're talking very, uh, you know, in detail there about what's happening in France at the minute, and things are definitely escalating there. It's getting more and more intense. We're seeing the armoured vehicles in the streets. We're seeing the roads being dug up. Statements are being made here. The echoes of uh, the Canadian truckers, which was two years ago, uh, whenever they descended upon Ottawa, a finding has just been released now a court finding that trudeau acted unconstitutionally by evoking an emergencies act against those truckers freezing their assets, arresting people, you know, uh, impounding equipment and one thing and another. In other words, they went too far because there was no actual threat to Canada at the time. Could we possibly see? I know we don't know this will be revealed in time, but the way things are going at the minute, it certainly looks to be hotting up in France. Macron doesn't seem to be, these globalists don't seem to want to back down. They double down in their positions. Could we see some lunacy on his part by evoking some kind of army intervention or, you know, taking it, step too far with these farmers could that be the tipping point that sets france off
4: it could be um personally this is my personal viewpoint uh-huh. i kind of welcome it um there certainly has to be something along these lines um to awaken and make aware the general public of, of the restrictions that government are putting on these people and and why they, they these guys are stepping forward i think it does have to get a lot worse before it will get better um uh, because you most people will unify around the fact that they need farmers. We need growers. We need producers. These guys are wardens of the countryside and have been for many of them for generations in their families. And they know what they're doing. We know that industrial farming and modern farming techniques are damaging to the environment around us, damaging to the soil, um, all the rest of it. Um, and, and at PFFA, we want to encourage bringing back a mixed farming approach, but yes, these guys are going to have the pressure on them, uh, from governments. We have to expect that they're in their corner, um, uh, And they're fighting for their lives, I think, at this stage. And so all we've got to do is hold the line. And I think if every country across Europe, across the world, ideally, can have farmers and truckers and taxi drivers and all the others coming together and unifying at this point, um, we beat them. We beat them hands down. There's no need for it to get violent and aggressive. We just stand our ground.
1: Yeah. And that's one thing we've advocated here since TNT uh, kicked off just over two years ago. You know, there has to be peaceful mass non compliance so it's not enough for little pockets uh, to be operating here and there that's the start that's how it begins uh, no doubt about it it has to start you know with one person or it then becomes uh, more and more people get involved and it turns into a national movement but there has to be a coming together like there is for example with these farmers they're all operating together uh, to besiege Paris and of course that's having a knock-on effect into Germany at the minute and Romania other places Ireland is being you know targeted by globalists as well to do with you know culling cattle and cutting down on what they can and can't grow here, having to import meat from Brazil, for example, Farmers are not happy at the minute. And, you know, what are they doing? They're not exactly arch criminals. You know, they're not James Bond villains. They're not sitting in their farmhouses stroking a little white cat with their finger on a red button that could detonate a nuke over London. No, they're just trying to grow some bloody crops and put some nice uh, beef on the table. That's not exactly a crime, but yet they're being demonized for it. So uh, we'll pause there. We've got to take a little headline break. And when we come back, I want to also try and uh, ask you, uh, because a lot of people want to know, well, what do I do when it comes to, what What part can I play in all this? How, who do I link up with to get involved? What can I do to become more self-sustainable? So we'll talk about that uh, after the news headlines here with Catherine McBean on TNT Live, today's News Talk.
0: Now, I've got, I've got good news and, and bad news. TNT Radio News.
4: Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. Hamas has confirmed it's reviewing a new proposal for a ceasefire in Gaza that would ultimately end the war with Israel. A woman who was awarded over $80 million for suing Donald Trump for denying he sexually assaulted her has been accused of making a mockery out of rape victims. And Pakistan's former Prime Minister Imran Khan has been jailed for a decade after being charged with exposing state secrets, claiming the US was complicit in his removal from office.
0: Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio
1: okay catherine i think uh, a lot of people have had a lot of attitude shifts over the last few years a lot of people have become awake to uh, a lot of lies that have been thrust upon them over a long time but you know they're coming around now a lot of people are also coming around to the fact that you know we can't trust our governments to interfere with our food supplies, maybe to add things into our food, into our water for sure. And you know, if you don't filter your water, uh, you're you're taking a lot of poisons and toxins into your system, especially if it's coming out of your tap, uh, supplied by your local councils. Food, okay, food, allotments, people are becoming more active now, I've noticed saying they want an allotment, they want to maybe take part of their garden and start growing plants It's a start, isn't it? We've got to start somewhere with this. What's the best place to start if someone's scratching their head today saying, well, I like the sound of that, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to go about this. Is it even worth my while? What do you say to people like that?
4: I say absolutely. I mean, there's so many benefits to it outside of obviously having something to eat. There's the health benefits involved with that. You know, it can be organic and and naturally grown. Um, I I encourage anyone to do it for in terms of well-being or emotional well-being. There's something very, very positive and and fun out of growing uh, something from scratch from seed. Um, It depends on how much land you've got. But over at PFFA, we work in three strands. We and support and educate on grow your own and if you go to our site there's loads of information on how to get started even if you've got a balcony what you can do and why you'd want to make the effort to do that. Um, the second element that we focus on is community growing groups so even if you don't have a garden or you have a very very small space or maybe you enjoy the social um, element of, of, of growing food with others we've also done pl- blueprints to encourage people to start Community gardens and growing food for their community, um, which we would encourage anyone to have a look at. You can contact your local council. There's lots of ways to get hold of um, you know, little parcels of land. Even reach out to your local farmer. A lot of them are struggling so much they're not able to farm the entirety of their land at the moment. So they may have some acreage that they can share with you. And then coming up in the coming weeks, it's very, very exciting. We're bringing forward a blueprint. Um, on how to create a community farm. So if you want to take it to the next level, you want to have some poultry and livestock, you want to grow um, some fodder for those, then there's going to be a document to support you doing that. But I think um, in terms of self-sufficiency, and I mean, I lived off grid for a year back in 2016 with just me and my three children. I knew what was coming and I didn't know how far things would go. Um, But I'd certainly encourage everyone to consider how you harvest your own rainwater, how you set up irrigation, um, all of these things so that you feel more in control as well it's a very empowering situation to be growing some of your own food you know harvesting that storing that and it's a really fun process as well you know it's really helpful uh, for our health you get your hands in that soil in that magnesium Mm -hmm. you know lots of things we miss out on our diets uh, because of soil erosion and and the state of our soil Do it on your own. Get the health benefits from that. And even if you just grow herbs for medicinal purposes and cups of tea, you're going to get the benefits out of it. And it's nothing nothing quite more beautiful than watching something grow. And it's pretty exciting, actually. Sadly, I get quite excited about it. Um, But one of the biggest issues we've had and that we've reached this point is because we've handed over all of our power. We've allowed the centralized systems to be formed and it's happened on our watch. Um, what we need to do now is take back that power and a lot of that is about becoming self-sufficient and doing so much more for ourselves um, particularly at community level and independently Um, so I would encourage anyone to do that we don't know how they're going to mess with the food supply we don't know if the farmers are going to have to cause a disruption Mm. in order to achieve their goals Um, so I would suggest that everybody get out there grow as much food as you can get together with Mm. your community supply those um, if you can that are infirm or unable to grow for themselves Mm. and it really is about coming together and unifying. Blow what the central government is doing. Blow what the supermarkets are doing. Do what you need to do for you and your community. And it's a beautiful way to go about it.
1: You know, it is. And listening to you talk, you're so passionate about it. And it's not just because you can stick your fingers up to the government and say, you know, I've got my own food supply. Uh, you can't touch me. That has an element to it as well. But you hit a lot of nails on the head there, too, when you said, look, it's good to get out. It's good to get offline. It's good to get off grid. It's good to get your hands in the soil. It's good to get your feet on the grass. It's good to get off the bloody internet for start. Stop stirring at screens or stirring at cameras and actually get out into the fresh air. The benefits of that alone, set aside self- self-sufficiency the benefits to your mental health from doing that are off the charts especially after what we've all been through over the last three years with various types of lockdown and also re-establishing community again because when you're online there are these so-called online communities that spring up which are a lifeline to a lot of people but there is no substitute for mingling with other human beings working collectively on a project in nature that can not only bring benefit to your body but also to your mind and to your spirit as well
4: And we can achieve so much. I think people underestimate um, the power of human determination. So when we set up PHA, um, which only launched a couple of years ago, not even two years ago yet, we've got over 100 hub groups now across the UK. We're in 15 countries across the world. We've done that on a budget of about, I don't know, 20, 30 grand, something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And that has been achieved already. And I've had people write to me and say, thank you so much for setting up PHA. Um, I was so alone in the world and just connecting with my community and Mm -hmm. getting these things moving has really given me focus. It's given me um, support and emotionally, and I'm a far better place for it. And it's very much the same. You can set up local food hubs whereby you bring your excess produce and you share that amongst the vulnerable in your community And we don't just do what we do for others. We then get something out of it ourselves. And it's really good. A lot of people within this movement have worked their butts off. And as a result, they're feeling a little bit vulnerable. They're tired. They're, you know, a little bit unbalanced right now. And it is for us to take care of ourselves and help others. And these community projects are just one incredible way to do it. And at the end of the day, you get food, you know, so why wouldn't you? Um, so I'd encourage everybody to, to, to find your brethren in your local community, get it started, get moving. Um, I set up something back in 2014 called Community Compassion. And we had a lot of people going and helping with their elderly neighbor's gardens and they'd split the produce and they'd use their elderly gar- uh, neighbor's garden, who wasn't a gardener, mm-hmm. to grow food. There are so many ways we can look at this, but it all comes back to decentralization. It comes back to community and stepping into our power and doing it in the most beautiful way possible. Mm-hmm
1: uh fantastic you know and uh we're good to talk a little bit more about this but time is our enemy unfortunately here we talk about klaus schwab and the WF being the enemy but really is time not our enemy too uh when it comes to discussing issues like this and even time that we can allocate our days to doing productive stuff like the things that you're talking about now in case I uh, don't do it which I'm going to do now just to make sure that I get uh, the contact details in if you don't already follow Catherine on the X or Twitter platform please do so Uh, her handle is at the bean eyes open which is a very bizarre title indeed at the bean eyes open on the X or Twitter platform but of course uh, the PFFA website is the the hub I suppose that you can go to to be able to find out more about what these are getting guys are doing and also connect with them and that's uh wwwthe org. and if anybody out there is listening in in the live, live chat there's a lot of people in there at the minute if somebody could post that link into our live chat right now that would be very handy it's www.thepffa.org and that's the people's food and farming alliance so I think we've squeezed as much as we possibly could into uh, the time that we had this morning. Catherine, hopefully uh, you won't be a stranger here to Locked and Noted. We can get you on periodically here to give us updates about what you're doing and also, of course, what's going on on the scene uh, with the global farming situation. So in the meantime... Big thanks to you for uh, taking off the old uh, gardening gloves this morning and dragging yourself in from outside and having a chat with us here on TNT. Big thanks to you, Catherine McBean. Uh, I'll be back after this short break with Nick Corbishley beaming in from Spain. So don't go away, stay tuned to TNT, today's news talk.
0: I'm Naheem Hines, professional football player and proud supporter of the Muscular
4: Dystrophy Association. My mom was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when I was 14 and
0: I watched her struggle but MDA helped her get the best treatments and care. And they also help kids like my buddy, Ethan.
3: My name is Ethan and I'm 12 years old. Thanks to the Muscular Dystrophy Association and people like you, I have more hope than ever before. From day one, they've treated me like family at my local care center. MDA is the only one that funds over 150 care centers across the US to help provide state-of-the-art care for adults and kids like me.
4: For over 70 years, MDA
0: has been transforming lives of people living with muscular dystrophy, ALS, and other related neuromuscular diseases. They fund the research for breakthrough treatments, care, and cures. And MDA
4: provides support to thousands of families like mine and Ethan's in communities like yours. Thanks to
0: MDA, kids and adults can live life to its fullest. Join us and learn more at mda.org today. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out. Because only
1: you can prevent
2: wildfires.
1: Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm grilling up dinner. (laughs) Do you get it?
0: Yes, good job.
3: So, what should I do with all these coals?
2: Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container, because those embers can start a wildfire.
4: I understand. The stakes are high.
0: Ha, 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 ha. See, Smokey thinks I'm funny. You're with Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Okay, I'd like to welcome back one of the old stalwarts for the Locked and Loaded show, going right back to whenever the, we kicked this thing off. He's been joining me on and off periodically to talk about things geopolitical, none other than Nick Corbishley. Nick is a journalist who covers breaking news, economics, and finance and politics with a global perspective. And he's also the author of the book Scanned, and you can pick that up off of Amazon or check out his website, which is nickcorbishley.com. Nick, you're in Spain right now. I'm freezing my ass off over here in Ireland. What's the weather like?
3: The weather is fine, bright, sunny. It is, um, if you remember fascia, it's scorcio everywhere you go. Um, I mean, it's about 17 degrees right now, probably, so you probably won't be experiencing that kind of heat sensation for probably about five months. So five years. <laughs> if you're lucky, if
1: you're lucky, but, exactly. But, but in fact, you know what, actually, I was coming just before you came on. It's been ages since you were last on here. If I can remember correctly, the last time you did actually come on the Lock and Loaded, you were suffering something terrible. You guys were in the middle of a really bad heat wave uh, around about September of mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. that be right? Yeah. So it's chilled down a little uh, bit since then. Yeah. I mean, I'm not
3: sure if it was September because I was in Mexico in September. So probably July or August, I would say. Yeah. July August Yeah Mad-ish. we had like yeah you had, it was it was about a two week heat wave it wasn't that long but it was it was intense um well that we was close to that was- temperatures
1: That that was the last time you and I actually spoke. So that shows you how much water has actually passed under the bridge since then. And in fact, you know, Uh uh, the whole Israel, uh, Palestine, Middle East, Yemen, uh, Iran thing is all bubbling up ever since the last time we spoke. And, you know, the old adage, a lot of water has passed under the bridge since our last conversation. It's a little bit of an understatement in our case. It's really, really uh, kicking off a pace in the Middle East at the minute.
3: Absolutely. I mean, like, there's, yeah, it's, you don't speak to somebody for six months, and the world absolutely transforms uh, mm-hmm. in that time. We've had we're in a very, I think, high risk scenario in the Middle East. Uh, it's very uh, unclear where this could end, but the the trend right now is very much towards escalation. Um, I think that Israel having l- failed to achieve its goals in gaza and losing on so many different fronts um including on the informational front including on the propaganda front is now i would argue looking to expand this war it would love nothing better than to bring iran in um and you know with the Houthis um attacking vessels in in the red sea and all these other things taking place i mean it's it's a very kinetic situation um and it's very hard to say where where it could end but yes mm. it's it's not good um no, and also I mean I, I would bad. say the trajectory is very bad um because because yes the more Israel kind of seems to be losing this uh, the more it's likely to double down and and that is um and we're talking about I say Netanyahu I mean I've not spoken I'm not speaking to you, but I'm not speaking to anybody in the last six months um, Mm -hmm. in a kind of interview format. And I mean, I think the the one thing that really shocks me about this is the way the West has put all their money on Netanyahu. I mean, I can understand them putting their money on Israel, but putting all their money on Netanyahu, a man who's clearly unsettled, who clearly has serious personal issues, um, who is facing... Trials for a whole host of um, legal problems, and is struggling with support at home. It just seems bizarre to me to put all your all your money behind such a destable, such an unstable character.
1: It does. And you know what? Uh, let's not forget. Let's not forget, Nick, what he actually did uh, to the Israeli people, you know, to the to the Jews mm-hmm. within Israel, because mm-hmm. people are saying, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's a, he's a Zanos this and he's a Zanis that and he's committing genocide against Palestine, which he is. But let's not forget what he did to the Jewish people during the uh, Pfizer rollout. Where he effectively signed the, the, you know, the Israeli population up to be guinea pigs uh, for Pfizer. He instigated uh, the Green Pass, which was medical apartheid within mm-hmm. Israel at the time. So whether you were a Jew or an Arab or an unbeliever or, a, or, a, or a you know, a, a, an apostate, doesn't really matter. He was treating everybody exactly the same way. The man is an absolute menace.
3: In, in every way. I mean, I remember he was on an interview with uh, Jordan Peterson about, what would it be, a number of months ago. And he was boasting about how he essentially gave up Israel to Pfizer as an open lab for its uh, its vaccine. And he was proud of this. Um It's it's staggering and and i struggled to, i still i struggle to understand but it's also true that israel like you said it, it launched the green pass it was the first country to do so mm-hmm. but you look three four five six weeks later the eu was doing the same or it was announcing plans to do the same uh so with exactly the same name so the vaccine pass, and now that vaccine pass, the green pass has been adopted by the World Health Organization as a kind of like, as a template for a global vaccine passport. At least that is what the the, the World Health Organization announced. I think it was about a year ago now. Mm-hmm.
1: And so, you know yes, what it's, they. Uh, They haven't let it go either because some of the stuff that we have talked about uh, seems to have uh, fallen to the wayside a little bit, but it's currently being revived. So, for example, you know, these international health regulations, the influence (coughs) of WHO, they first fielded their pandemic treaty, what, a year and a half ago. It didn't really catch on at the time we were having difficulty getting a buy-in on that one, but now they're pushing for it again. So it seems to be they let these things drop for a while. Then they're talking about reintroducing, you know, the next pandemic they're already talking about. They've got the technology with AI to come up with a vaccine. We can't afford to leave it nine months this time. We need a vaccine within a week. So they're already talking about developing a vaccine for a disease that doesn't have a name that hasn't actually happened yet. But hell, they've got it under control immediately. Do you not feel very secure in that, Nick?
3: Oh, it is is extremely, uh, what's the word? Uh, Comforting. It is extremely comforting to know that they (laughs) have got our backs. I like the idea of just turning my mind off and just watching hour after hour of Netflix series, thinking, knowing that in the background, um, people like um, Bill Gates and, you know, his his servant at the helm of the World Health Organization, Tedros, and all these other people have our best interests in heart, and they are among the most competent people on the planet. So so mm-hmm. we can sit back and just turn our minds off. It is yeah, we awesome. can just yes. relax
1: and just trust them. Above all else, we'll have to trust them because what they're doing is for the greater good and we all have our part to play in that and shame on us if we don't comply and jump through their hoops and of course that is not going to happen now other things that uh, we w- we have talked about just a little bit of an update on and by the way you can find all of Nick's writings on his website which I encourage everybody to visit which is nickcorbishley.com uh, a few pieces that you published recently there Nick number one uh, EU's Digital Services Act poses an existential threat to freedom of speech in europe warns a retired german retired german judge that's difficult to say uh sober let alone drunk uh, there seems to be a lot of these acts that are springing up we have the online harms bill in the uk we'll have the hate uh, speeches offense bill in uh in um, the uk we'll have australia passing their own sets of laws to monitor things that are appearing online so this is an eu digital services act tell us a little bit more about that
3: so, I mean, the Digital Services Act has been, this is kind of like almost like the signature bill of the Ursula von der Leyen administration. Um, she announced it more or less from day one. The idea was to kind of like bring, well, this is the idea that they tell us uh, is to bring the tech giants under some degree of control. Um, to iron out some of the more serious um, threats that their behaviour poses to the general public, etc., um, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And it, you know, on the surface, it looks not too bad. And there are quite a few things within it that are positive. They may be uh, rebalanced uh, to a certain extent the amount of power between government and and these giant tech corporations. But there's an area of it that is seriously concerning, which is the focus on uh, the removal of illegal content. So, I mean, this means that you have um, employees. It will be at the European Commission and at the nation state level. Um, So, I mean, the European Commission has basically said, we will take charge of the really big boys, know the very large um social media platforms and search engines things like google youtube um, twitter facebook etc etc and at the nation state level they're dealing with smaller platforms um i mean the idea is that they're going to be asking these platforms to remove what they describe as illegal content um while at the same time asking them to take action against disinformation misinformation and hate speech and this is where it gets very dangerous and this is what this judge is essentially saying is that it's not clear in in the digital services act it does not say it does not define what misinformation disinformation is and so you're left with this kind of very vague idea which is kind of like up to the commission to decide the commission will determine what that is Um, and part of that in 2018 the commission more or less defined um hate speech as um as affecting um things like elections and public order etc etc maybe public health and this is a thing so it's all a question of definition who gets to define this and the problem is the european commission is not exactly free of conflict of interest it's an executive branch of government it's an executive branch of the European Union which is constantly looking to expand its power, it's already been, I would say, caught in arguably the largest um, scandal of the European Union's roughly 60-year history, or which was the vaccine scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, where you have the president of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, Essentially, pre-negotiating uh, a vaccine deal with the CEO of Pfizer over her WhatsApp account, boasting about this to the New York Times, mm-hmm. and then when organizations within the European Union and when journalists begin saying, "Could you could see these uh, these texts?" She says, "No, you can't." And this has been going on now for roughly two years. So I mean, like, it's the balance. It's it's the sheer the disconnect between what the governors the governing class in the future want for themselves which is basically total lack of transparency total lack of accountability compared to what they expect of us which is total lack of privacy total lack of anonymity because all of this is pushing towards this you know the same time as they are using these passing this and the censorship rules, they're also um, looking to set out, you know, to, to launch digital identity. The European Union is, is, you know, in the forefront of this, and this will all be melded together. So it is, it is this huge difference, this huge gulf between the power of those who are governing and those of us who are being governed. And, and it yeah. is this massive expanse of the space between these two that worries me most.
1: You know, just listening to you give an overview there about uh, different terms that are used, different terminologies that are used. When you put a lot of these people on the spot, and for example, uh, there's a there's a there's a politician in Ireland, Helen McEntee, the so-called Justice Minister for Ireland. When she was asked the question, uh, "What is?" Uh, define right wing, you talk about right wing extremists, define right wing she couldn't actually do it, she couldn't actually give an actual definition of what she even believed right wing to be, she can't even define what a woman is, you know, she couldn't define what hate is when it comes to Ireland's online hate speech bill, so the very things that these are these people are legislating against, they can't even define what they are out of their own mouths a very simple, uh, simple question, Nick what does this mean, what does that mean, well I don't know but you're legislating against it and you're saying that I can't be that person but you can't even define what it is it's a little bit of a sham it's the same as uh, von der leyen's case uh, you mentioned there with pfizer uh, you know, this has been ongoing for, uh, you know, years now. It's uh, skullduggery and shenanigans of the highest order. But yet, will we see any justice there? We're seeing these COVID inquiries in Scotland at the minute. We're seeing them uh, being called for in Ireland. They're even saying, well, in Ireland, you can't call it an inquiry because that makes it sound like someone's done something wrong. And let's be perfectly clear about this. Nobody did anything wrong. We could learn from our mistakes, but nobody did anything wrong. Are these inquiries, they may be good for closure for some people to be able to say their piece but in reality you know i do correct me if i'm wrong but two years into this with all the you know Medazolam nonsense in the uk and people dying and pathways to death and all the ppe scandals and the you know the the deals that were done with pfizer and governments we talked about israel as well being used as guinea pigs has anyone even been arrested yet or is anyone uh, due to see their day in court about all this or what <laughs>
3: Not at all. I mean, like it is total um, impunity. I mean, like this is a word. I mean, impunity is a word that I would say, for example, having written a lot about countries like in Latin America, where you have some pretty bad um, government models. Impunity is like the worst word you can use to describe a government. You know, they, 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 they are in the, the, the total impunity. Their ability to enact, to, to, to behave in ways without any consequence. That is the world we're moving towards, without a shadow of doubt. And talking about these politicians who are unable to explain things well when put on the spot, there was one I saw a couple of days ago. Um, somebody in the Treasury, or in the UK Treasury a Secretary there, he was put on the spot and he was asked, you know, why do we need a central bank digital currency? And I will not even try to paraphrase the absolute rubbish he came out with. Mm. But I would urge people to look, look at it on, on Twitter, look for it on Twitter. It's hilarious. But it's, it's, it's terrifying at the same time as it's hilarious because you've got total incompetence and mediocrity on the one hand. You've got, we, we, we're in such a bad way, that we're bringing back people like David Cameron, when I say we. The British government is bringing back somebody like David Cameron, who is scandal tarnished, who has, who, you know, whether you like Brexit or not, he laid, he paved the way to that, but he didn't want it. So he failed in one of the biggest wor- ways possible in the last 30, 40 years in England. And things are so bad they've got to bring him back. Um, and this guy in the Treasury was, he was unable to give a single good reason for a central bank digital currency. And that is what we're dealing with, total mediocrity, total incompetence at the same time as total impunity. I mean, if I could get off this planet, I would, but I can't. And we, We're literally stuck with what we've got. It oh, is terrifying. No.
1: We've still got Elon Musk's, uh, you know, uh, Rockets to Mars project. So that must give somebody (laughs) like you a little bit of hope that you can put your faith in Elon. If you don't want to have his brain implant, that's fine, but you can always get onto his rocket and wait until he colonizes Mars, Nick, and then you can make your escape stage left. And yes, it is absolutely insane uh, what's going on at the minute. The amount of unchecked uh, skullduggery or governments acting with complete importunity, uh, which is a fantastic word, that's a fact of what they're doing, they're operating however they like, whenever they like, in whatever way they like, and almost they're getting some kind of uh, sick glee out of the fact that people like us can highlight this, present evidence to people, and yet they're still walking free. David Cameron uh, is another one you mentioned there, you know resurrecting him Lazarus style from the grave, you know he's back on the scene again, you know Tony Blair is never far away from the wings as well, even bloody Barack Obama, and uh, the Clintons are still got their fingers into the pies of American politics as well, it's like these old devils, these old ghouls just won't dry up and shrivel up and blow away in the breeze, Uh, it seems to be like uh, they're like old vampires, you know, in an old Hammer movie, uh, you know, the Clintons that could be a great vampire movie Nancy Pelosi could be in there, George Soros could be in there, Bill Gates could be in there, you know, 80 odd year old uh, Klaus Schwab could be in there I'm just starting to ramble madly because I'm just getting all these visions of you on a rocket to Mars uh, with a Neuralink <laughs> implant and me sitting in a cinema somewhere watching uh, Hillary Clinton, the movie featuring Nancy Pelosi, what a horrible thought that is as we wrap the show up, what a horrible thought that is Nick eh?
3: It is horrible. I mean, I'm glad it's morning at this end and not night, because otherwise I'll be having the horriblest nightmares.
1: (laughs) Well, just uh, listen back to the show before you go to bed, or I'll send you a text message later just to remind you of what we talked about just to seed those horror (laughs) seeds into your brain before you go to bed tonight but listen uh, we're up to time here and you know what Uh, it's been absolutely great to see you again and we're having a chuckle here uh, a little bit of tongue-in-cheek chuckle but listen my motto is here mate if you don't laugh you cry especially with everything else uh, that's going on in the world right now so uh, it's been nice uh, to laugh a little bit with you this morning here nick rather than shed any tears live on uh, our new live streaming service but of course Follow Nick if you don't already do so. Let me just get the actual Twitter handle or the X handle. Yes, it's at Nick Corbishly, C-O-R-B-I-S-H-L-E-Y, at Nick Corbishly on X or Twitter. But more importantly, check out his website, nickcorbishly.com, and buy a copy of his book, Scan. It's absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, another book should be in the wings, Nick. There's plenty more for you to be writing about. And in the meantime... Have a great day over there in Spain, and happy travels if you're uh, moving around over the next month or two. We'll stay in contact anyway. And listen, let's not leave it six months uh, before we talk again. Yes or no? Yes. Oh, you are going to leave it six months? Well, that's offensive. You said know, that should have saved your life. No, that should be
3: enough. <laughs>